are we are we're on top of the Great Wall, the wall that Chinese built uh, over a thousand years ago to protect their family and their country uh, from the dangers from the outside. Uh, but in a way, <coughs> that kind of has kept China away from the rest of the world and has also kept China and the Chinese people away from the true message, from the gospel. Um, this is one of the reasons we think we should expand our mission work to, to China and to spread the gospel to the people here, uh, just so they can hear the true message and so they can save not only from that, uh, the natural enemies, but then, you know, save them uh, from, from eternity, uh, not just in their own, you know, uh, physical lifetime, but so they can have an eternal life. Uh, I'm curious what you were listening to while we were filming that video. I mean, you, you can tell we didn't take Russ' tournament on this trip because very simple video etiquette things like asking somebody to take their headphones out, we just didn't do them. So um, it really makes you appreciate Russ, but thanks. This is John Chin. He's one of our deacons here at Highland. You've probably seen John around before. He's a leader in our Chinese ministry and also the star of that video that you just saw. Two months ago, eight of us went to China together, and we've shared some of the stories of that trip with you all recently. I know Chris and Luana shared some two weeks ago, and then we shared some in a combined classroom a couple weeks before that. And, um, and so, but maybe, maybe you're visiting today and you haven't heard those stories about why the eight of us went over there to China, and so I want to I tell you some today as well. First, I guess, reasons why we were there is that for nearly 25 years, Highland has had a really vibrant Chinese ministry, which Ron Wade is a part of, John is a part of, Sam Liao, and many others. And that ministry, over a year ago, started a Chinese language worship service that meets every week at 1115 in a, in a room just across the hall. And I guess out of that ministry and in the broader leadership of Highland, a seed was planted some time ago that maybe at some point Highland would be part of reaching mainland China and, and not just Chinese Americans. Well, that seed bounced around a while and eventually took root and became part of what we call Vision 2018, which is nine initiatives that we are striving to reach by God's grace on our 20th birthday in 2018, one of those being a new mission work in China by 2018. So our Chinese ministry, leaders like John and Sam and others, then set about with this really daunting task of figuring out how in the world we're going to pull that off. So they were prayerfully put together a detailed plan, steps to take to reach this goal. And then two months ago, it was the point in the, tr in, in the planning at which it was time to go to China and see the mission field or the harvest, as Jesus calls it in Matthew 9, for ourselves. That's why we went. But while we were there, we were in a city in Qingdao, China, and John told this story, a little bit of autobiography, about why he felt compelled to reach out to the nation of China. And so I asked him to share that with us. John? Thank you, Eric. Uh, what I was listening to was actually the Man for More CD reported by Bridget <laughs> and the Highland Praise team. <laughs> and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. He just listened to it the whole time on repeat, so there you so, go. So uh, for the visitors here, uh, you, you already heard the uh, praising team sing, so obviously you know how good they are. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, for no other reasons, you should just come back and hear them sing, mm -hmm. okay? That, that was heavenly. So coming, 
coming back to the reasons why we went to China, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about myself first. Uh, I was born in China in 1974, about 40 years ago. Uh, my father was a college professor, my mom was a physician. So both of them were very highly educated um, and very hardworking and very honest people. But they were taught very early on that, you know, there is no God. I mean, they, they were atheists. And that's how we were bro uh, brought up as well. Um, my brother and I, we practically grew up on cafeteria food uh, because my mom and dad, they were very committed to their work and they would just buy food vouchers for us to go to uh, the cafeteria on the university uh, campus where my dad worked. And so that's where we go get our lunches and dinners when they couldn't come home to cook for us. So the colleges in China, it's a little bit different. It, it was a surrounded just like the Great Wall. It was a surrounded by very tall walls and iron gates. In order to get in, you got to get past those uh, guards at the gate. And they will always ask those three questions. You know, who are you? Where are you from? And where are you going? So when we were little, we would, you know, we, were, we didn't think of much of those questions. We would just always come up with pretty creative answers for them uh, just to make the guards frustrated. And we were just laughing behind their backs. So, uh, but now as, uh, you know, we got a little bit older, then we started really wondering about those three questions. I mean, do you think about it? I mean, those are the three very fundamental questions we should ask us all the time. I mean, who are we? Where are we from? And where are we going? So I was searching for the meaning of those, uh, of those questions, searching for answers. And uh, I couldn't find it. You know, basically, all the teachings we had is, you know, you were born, you leave, you work, you marry, you have kids, then you die. What? then you just simply disappear from this world. And I, I wasn't very satisfied with that. I, I just thought there has to be something more than that. I mean, I was born, I, I, I don't want to just disappear, right? So um, when, I, when I came to the US when I was 17 years ago, about 23 years ago, and uh, I was uh, very fortunate, I had the opportunity to learn about Bible and learn about God, learn about Jesus Christ. And I was also very fortunate to be surrounded by very devoted Christians like Ron and Christy and Sam and Vivian. And, you know, I, I look at their lives and they always live their lives in such a grace where it's, it's full of, you know, faith, hope, and love. That, that just kind of, that, that made me really envious. I, I want to have what they have. So... In Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13, God said, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and hope. Well, that's what gave me a new understanding of what my life should be and, you know, how it is meant for more than just this physical being. So he gave me a new set of answers, you know, for those three questions. Who are you and where are you from and why are you going? So my, in my professional life, he sends me to China about three, four times a year. So I saw it firsthandly that, you know, China, Chinese people have uh, experienced a huge growth of economy, and they have made strives in their uh, living standards. However, 
they are not satisfied with merely just fully putting food on the table and having a roof over their heads anymore. And they're not satisfied with, they're thirsty for the meaning of life, just like I was. And they are seeking an alternative answer to those questions um, than, the, than the standard one that government was given to them. So as Christians, you know, we are taught by Jesus that we are not meant to keep this good news just to ourselves. And we are meant to be the light on the stand and share this good news and share this gospel to the people around us and all over the world. And we are meant to live a life that's full of hope, love, and faith. And we are meant to step up and step out out of our comfort zones and let our words and let our actions you know, be the evidence of our faith. And most of all, we are meant to be the follower of Jesus Christ. So that's why we went to China, and that's why we will keep going back until the Lord's will is done there. Hmm. When I heard John's story sitting in this house church in Qingdao, I was really moved because he kept saying these words that you've heard a lot around here at Highland, meant for more. Now, I discovered that I was meant for more in my life, and I, I want to share with the Chinese people that they're meant for more. And of course, those are the words that we try to live out at this church. You know, at Highland, we believe all people are meant for more, more love of God, and more love of others. You've heard us say that a million times probably. But when I heard John say it, based on his past, where he grew up, and his heart, his compassion for the people of China, those three words took on new meaning for me. This idea that really they're meant for more. And that's what today's about. Twice a year, this church takes up a special contribution to support ministries that have as their purpose helping people discover the more that they're meant for, more love of God and more love of others. Over 20 different ministries supported by today's outreach contribution. If you're a visitor here today, uh, don't get fidgety at this point. Oh, they're talking about money. In fact, I'm really glad that you're here because I think this is one of the most important days of our year here at Highland and one of the, day, one of the two days in which we make our biggest impact on the world around us. And so I don't want you to go for your wallet. I don't, I don't want you to feel itchy or, or fidgety. In fact, I want you to keep it closed. And I just want you to see what this church cares about because today this church is going to raise $125,000 and then just give it away to these incredible ministries, some of the best ministries in Memphis and around the world. Ministries like Friends Speak, a ministry that studies the gospel of Luke with people for whom English is their second language, or foreign missions like the Melanesian Bible College or the Shiloh Christian School in Philippines where Nathan and Karen Luther work and where you heard about last week from Nathan and Karen both. Or, or foreign missionaries uh, who are serving in Ukraine at the Ukrainian Education Center or the Bila Serkva Church. Or uh, ministries like Hope Works, which provides hope and a job to the chronically unemployed. Today, we're going to raise $125,000, and then we're just going to give it to them. It's pretty sweet. But we've also been saving some. So since we came up with Vision 2018 a couple of years ago, and one of those initiatives being a foreign mission work in China, we have been setting apart a portion of each outreach contribution for that future work in 2018 in China. And we're going to do that again today. And today, I really want you to understand why we're doing that. And I want you to get excited about being part of it when you give today. So while we were there two months ago, we worshiped with that church in Qingdao where John first told that story that I heard. 
It's a church planted by missionaries, and it's literally overflowing this tiny little apartment building. They have about 80 people crammed in there every Sunday and throughout the week studying the Bible, okay? And 80 people is about the largest a church can grow in an apartment before the government starts to pressure it. So there's this wonderful church of people who are just overflowing with energy and excitement and discovering the more that God has for them. And the reason we went to that church was that John went a couple months earlier and had a really incredible experience. So I wanted him to share. Sure. When I visited the Qingdao House Church the first time, uh, I was there on a weekend, and the contact person gave me an address and just said, well, you know, come over and we'll worship together, and you will see this church. So, you know, in China, everything is magnified. A uh, hundred times, uh, as Memphis' population won't even rank in the top 200 cities in China. So I went to this apartment complex. I mean, I'm talking about it's a huge. It's probably like a four or five hundred apartments. So I didn't have the exact address, and because it's a house church, so it really didn't have any direction or signs. So you know, I was I was lost, and I was just wandering around on the ground level. And I was very anxious and I, because I was late already, and I, I, I was afraid that I might fail this mission, right, to find, the, to find the house church. So then, just as I was wandering around, I started hearing music, and I started hearing this heavenly sound coming from, just, just coming out of nowhere. And just like the praise team here, you, you imagine putting the Highland praise team and 80 of us into an 800, 900 square foot little room. I mean, that's how powerful, how moving, how touching that sound is. And I, I basically, it gave me goosebumps when I heard that. I, I, was, I was just melted right at that moment. So I just kind of followed the music, and I, I went upstairs, and I was able to find the house church. Hmm. And we saw exactly what Eric and, you know, all of them experienced. It, it was just overflowing with their love and overflowing with the conviction you know, of their love for, for Christ and their conviction that Christ is our Savior. Mm. So John hears this gospel praise being sung in an apartment complex in China and is, and is moved by this experience. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I was there at that same church a couple months later, I was moved by it too. But I think it's different for John and in a way that I'm still trying to understand, okay? I think it's especially moving for John because John grew up without Christ, which was not my experience. John knows what it's like to grow up separate from God and his son, Christ. You know, John and Hunter both, Hunter who did communion just a few minutes ago, both grew up in China where every student, the millions and millions of students in school in China growing up, learned the tenets of communism and Maoism, and one of those being, there is no God. Okay, They all memorize those four words, there is no God. God. Can you imagine that? You know, for some of us, myself included, that's really hard to imagine. You know, I grew up in the church building, and you probably did too. You grew up in the church pew. I mean, I learned to swim in the church baptistry. You know, I mean, I don't know if I should have admitted that. I don't condone that. I was, I was a preacher's kid. He was really liberal, though. So, you know, I grew up in the church building, and when I had those really difficult life questions, when I was struggling with doubts, I knew where to ask those questions, right? I could ask those questions to God in prayer or within the people of God and the church. 
right? And the church was never far from me. We lived across the parking lot, right? And you probably lived down the street from the closest church. So even if you strayed at some point, even if you were separate from God and the church at some point, it was really never that far away. But what if you didn't have that? You know, like John and Hunter who grew up in China where, there, where there's not a church on every corner. What if you didn't have anybody to go to when life was really hard, when you faced some crisis? What, what if you didn't understand the concept of prayer at all? We were sitting in this little house church in Wuhan, another city, after we'd been to Qingdao. There was about 20 people in this little house church. This is us gathered around for prayer. And Chris preached this incredible sermon, and Sam translated the sermon. And then we opened the floor for questions. And, and we weren't really sure what kind of questions we'd get. Those weren't all questions. What we asked first was, how many of you are first-generation Christians? Look at that. How many of you are first-generation Christians, meaning your parents or your grandparents were not Christians? You grew up in another you know, faith system or no faith at all and made the decision to convert to Christ. Look at all those hands. You know, if, if I ask how many of you are 10th-generation Christians in here, we probably have as many hands. Right? We've inherited this incredible legacy of faith that all of them aren't fortunate to have. So then we asked for questions, and this one young woman, the woman that you're going to see pictured behind me here in a second, she's in her early 20s, and she speaks up. She's got this deep concern in her eyes, deep concern, almost tears. And she asks her question. She says, I think all people have a purpose in life. But how do I know what mine is? Can you imagine that? Now, where would you ask that question? You'd ask it here. You'd ask it among friends who are followers of Christ, who know their Bible and could direct you to some text. But where does she ask that question? When every Chinese young person reaches the point in their life where they say, is there more to this life than what I'm doing right now? What they hear back is, there is no God, you're on your own, figure it out. Can you imagine that? When I stood on the Great Wall of China, I was overcome with both awe and sorrow. You know, awe because it's an engineering marvel. It stretches across the ridges of these mountaintops going miles in the distance. It's a really incredible thing, but also kind of a melancholy. Because like John said in that video, that wall and, and what it represents has separated Chinese people for generations and generations from the good news of Christ and a God who wants more for them in this life. And when you come down from that wall and you, and you pile into one of those high-speed trains that crisscrossed through the nation of China, and you stare into all these faces of Chinese around you, you start to look at them differently, and you wonder about the souls behind each of those faces. And you wonder, you know, are they lonely? Are they sad? Are they confused? Who do they have to ask their most important questions to? You crowd into one of those high-speed trains, and you just you start wondering. I think we can imagine Jesus doing something similar in Matthew 9. He's, he's been traveling. Now, he's traveling around Judea. He's traveling around Israel. But you know, for the sake of argument, let's say he's traveling around China. You know, the context is different, maybe, but I think what he would be doing would be awfully similar. 
Let's imagine he's traveling by train. He's stopping in town after town like we did. He gets out and he's, he's getting pushed by people all around him, the millions of peoples. He gets on an escalator. He goes up into the city square. There's these towering 40-story apartment buildings all around him and going up, more going up every day. And he starts preaching just on a street corner, a random street corner b- below these glowing neon signs. And, and most people are walking by. Maybe a couple people stop to listen. He goes into one of these alleyways and he finds these lonely souls who are gathered up there and he heals them and, and he gets in, a, in an elevator in one of those apartment complexes and he travels 40 stories up to eat noodles with this lonely window widow. You eat a lot of noodles in China, a lot of noodles. So he's up there with this lonely widow. He spends time with her. He prays with her. He goes back down. He gets on the train again and then the faces on the train start to get to him. He's having the experience that we were having in China. Those faces start to keep him awake at night. Because, like he says in Matthew 9, like Matthew says, he looks at the crowd. When he sees the crowd, he has compassion on them. Because they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So it's that. Okay, don't miss that. Because for Jesus, it's compassion that gives birth to mission. Look at the very next verse. When he saw the crowds, you're going to know this next verse. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, anybody know this? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Yeah, you've heard that second line, but it doesn't mean the same thing if you don't know the spirit in which it's said. If you can't see Jesus, okay, traveling around on a train in in China or in Ukraine or riding the trolley in Memphis and locking eyes with lonely souls, people whose hearts are broken and confused and lost, and if you can't see Jesus whose own heart is going out to them in compassion, then you can't understand why mission matters so much. If our heart is never stirred with compassion, If it never breaks for anybody or anything in our life, will we ever pray to God to send out more laborers into the harvest field? No, we won't. Will we ever send those laborers out ourselves by God's grace? No. But if we see people like Jesus does, see souls behind all of those faces that are longing for more, then inevitably compassion gives way to mission. And that's what today's about. In this city, today, there are homeless moms. Think about that for a second. A mother with children with no roof over their head or no bed to lay them down at night. And you think about that and your heart starts to break. I know it does. So today, what we're going to do is put a roof over their head through Agape's FIT program. You're going to do that today when you give to the outreach contribution that's compassion giving way to mission. And today there's, there's somebody in, in, in Memphis who doesn't have a job, can't keep a job to save their life. Okay, they've been chronically unemployed. They made some bad decisions at some point in their life. They were imprisoned. Now they've got this on their record. They can't find any place that will take the risk to hire them. And today you're going to get them a job through HopeWorks. Okay, that's compassion turning into mission. And then, and then today, okay, there are three boys in foster care in Memphis right now. This is not hypothetical. This is very real. There are three boys in foster care in our city right now 
who at the end of this month are going to come into the home of a Highland family and become their family, their children. And you're making that possible today through our adoption fund. That's compassion turned into mission. And doesn't it feel good? It should. And this summer, we're going to take our first step, our next step, I guess, towards launching a future mission in China in 2018. We're going to send Hunter Ding, who did the communion devotional a few minutes ago. He's our Chinese apprentice, and he's going to go back to China at the request of Christians in Beijing and Wuhan, and he's going to spend his entire summer sorry, serving them. He's going to teach them about spiritual leadership. He's going to study the gospel with them. He's going to evangelize with these Christians in those two cities. And you're helping that make that possible today through your gift to the outreach contribution. So you've heard the stories that we've told you about China. You've heard the stories that John told you, that Luana told you, and that others have shared with you over the last few weeks. And I hope that compassion is building in your heart for, for people who are lost, lost sheep without a shepherd. And today, we're going to turn that compassion into mission. And by 2018, we hope that mission is a permanent one in China, prepared to bring in God's harvest. So why? Maybe that's the question you're asking. Well, there are literally millions and millions and millions of reasons why in China. Millions of souls behind faces crowded onto trains, stuffed into high-rise apartments, who are longing to know that they are meant for more in this life, okay? But you need not think about all those millions, okay? You just need to think about one young woman in her early 20s who really wants to know if there is more for her in this life. And how much would you give to let her know just how much more there is? Can you do that today? I'm going to invite Jimmy Adkins up here to pray over the outreach contribution that we're going to take up right now. Okay, as we turn this compassion into mission. And as I do that, if you're one of the gentlemen who's going to be taking up that collection, why don't you, you make your way to the back. And I'm going to invite the praise team back up here to join us. John and I will sit down and turn this over to Jimmy to pray over this special time. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> 